Welcome on in, everyone, to this week's edition of OA News Overtime. I'm Sarah Polcheski, and as always, I'm here with Justin Lee and Jordan Hill. So, guys, say hello. What have you guys been up to? So far, it's been football and and puppy watch, as you guys saw from the last episode. We got a little puppy running around. So, honestly, knock on wood, it's been fairly smooth. She's done a good job, and hopefully, we can keep that going. So, it's been balancing that and balancing spring practice and balancing whatever else comes our way. Balancing walking the dog every, how, what is she up to, 20 minutes, 30 minutes? It, it's, a, it's a slow build. It's just like the install of, of a new offense. You're just taking it day by day, trying to just get that much better. That's all I can say. Well, Jordan, I know your struggles with the puppy. I mean, our dog, although she is just a little more than a year old, we just had to take her on like a two and a half mile walk and spend 30 minutes at the dog park with her. And she still isn't tired. So I get your frustrations with the dog but I want to touch on and bring y'all into the obviously the biggest thing going on in Auburn right now is spring football the Tigers had their first open spring practice to the public in Jordan-Hare Stadium this past Saturday y'all were finally able to talk to both the offensive and defensive coordinator and y'all were also able to talk to players today so what did you guys kind of take away from Saturday and everything that's been going on this week you know, it was a nice kind of change of pace and not even just for Auburn, but just for college football in general. You just don't see a whole lot of open practices anymore. Uh, so, you know, Brian Harson talked a little bit after Saturday's practice saying, you know, because of COVID and things like that, you know, the Auburn staff hasn't been able to get into the community very much. You know, it's sort of still been limited as we kind of watch for those numbers, those numbers to continue going down. Um, but he wanted to kind of open up an opportunity for the community to come out and see this team and, and sort of meet these new coaches. So that's sort of what Saturday was. I thought it was, you know, considering it was just a spring practice, I thought it was a decent little crowd. You know, I mean, I think they said it was about 3,000 people uh, came out to watch the team. You know, not a ton of surprises just from what we saw. You know, things like the offensive line looked very much like it did last year. But, you know, we got some new looks with the defense that Derek Mason's going to be running. You got those edge players, a new kind of position that they're installing with this defense. And there was a lot to like. I mean, I know Justin got some good photos of J.J. Pegues just laying out to Kobe McClain. There was a few plays like that where you saw guys show out that made you go, Oh man, like this, it, it was the a nice amount of, of, you know, a taste of what we can get this fall. And, you know, I thought it was a really nice opportunity for all of us to kind of see, you know, the early work and, and, you know, that I think that was only their third practice so far this spring. So they're still just getting started, but I thought it was a nice sort of, uh, you know, invitation, a nice sort of peek behind the curtain with what Brian Harson and, and this team has been working on uh, even going back to the winter workouts. I tried my best. I broke Sarah's monopod, so that's broken, and I had to buy a new one. So a new one's on the way. Uh, but, yeah, I, I wish you guys could have seen me cackling when I learned that Gus did the exact same thing that day because <laughs> everyone's like in, in Orlando because everyone's like, oh, it's a new day. He's opening up practice. And then Gus does the same thing in, in, at UCF. Uh, it makes a lot of sense just because – you know, uh, hospital numbers are getting better with COVID, you know, going outside, uh, you know, is a, you know, it just makes a little bit more sense right now to, to open up the stadium a little bit. And for those, you know, for all new staff, you know, you're doing basic install. You're not giving anything away. It's your third practice. So, so yeah, it, it, that's, that's why they did it. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and like he said, you know, to get out and show face a little bit because he hasn't been able to do that. Um, so, 
it, it made a lot of sense. And I think it's happened. It happened with Auburn, UCF, and maybe a few other places. It's just a good, good idea to, especially when you're a new staff and you're just starting, it's all really basic practice. So I uh, might as well open it up and let people come see. I will add on that, Justin, though, it was kind of nice to sort of get a peek of the offense. You know, we've talked to Mike Bobo now and, you know, it's going to look different than what we saw with Gus Malzahn and, you know, seeing guys under center and, you know, two tight end sets. I mean, like, it was like, what, 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 you know? I mean, you might see I, what I really want to see is a, like a guy like J.J. Pegues playing fullback and like laying a block for Tank Bigsby like that. I mean, I think it's possible. And, you know, he's talked about wanting to use fullbacks. And he said, you know, sometimes you just got to line it up and run power, man, just go right at them. Uh, so, so, yeah, there wasn't a ton to kind of take away from what we saw, but I think there was plenty to kind of be excited and and kind of, you know, lay the, the groundwork for what we may see a little bit more of once A-Day gets here. I think it was an added bonus that the weather was also beautiful on Saturday. So that certainly probably encouraged more fans to get out there and a great way to spend their Saturday and kind of get a glimpse of what everybody might see on A-Day and then again in the fall. And yes, Justin. And Jordan, there's, a, there's the other part of it, which they can't say, is that it was about recruiting, man. It let the recruits come in and, and they got their chance because so if anyone didn't see Jordan's story, like they haven't, they've been in a dead period this whole time. Like, what did Powell say? He was like, I haven't been able to do anything Auburn University this entire yeah, time. Like, nothing he, Auburn University related, correct. Right, because it's a dead period because of COVID. They didn't want, they didn't want kids traveling. They didn't want anybody getting sick, any bubbles getting burst. So the NCAA has had a dead period since for, since a year, for a year now. Um, and so you can't make official visits. You can't see people in person. You can't do anything like that. But when you open up the stadium for anyone to come, anyone includes potential recruiting targets. And if they want to, they can come and they can at least look from a distance and get a feel for practice. And that's what it did. It gave uh, a lot of, and we talked to, Jordan talked to a few, you know, go to ONL.com and read it. I uh, talked to a few local uh, targets who came and went and just, you know, for the first time you can't really visit. So it's a, a, an early opportunity to just kind of get a feel for practice, see them operating, see how they, how the coaches and players interact and just get a, get a little feel for it. So that was another big significant part of, of, of why they did what they did and, and what they gained from doing that. And I think it was smart, Justin, to the point you were making. I mean, I talked to Caden Story, who's a guy from Lynette, he's a four-star defensive lineman. I mean, if he if he winds up going to Auburn, I mean, that's a big get. And, you know, he talked about, like, he was pretty giddy about what he saw from Nick Eason. He's like, man, he was running up there, getting in the drill, you know. Like, I think that that made a really good impression, and that may wind up being something that, you know, can sway a guy like Caden at the end of the day. And the thing I like, too, you mentioned Pal Gordon. He, he's a guy that's committed. Uh, he's an Auburn high linebacker that's committed to Auburn. But I was talking to him, and he was like, yeah, I was sitting with Eston Harris, and that's a, a three-star offensive tackle from just down the road in Beauregard. It's like, you know, we were kind of talking about, you know, basically what it would be like if we both went to Auburn. So, I mean, that to me right. almost was as big, was you had yeah. one of those guys that are like, hey, you know, come on board. We want you We want you to play for Auburn. Like, I think that was a, you know, the, the decision to open that up, I mean, I think – you didn't give up a lot by letting people come watch you install. And, and you know, there, there's not a lot you're sacrificing, but I, but I think the payoff is pretty considerable. We may see that, you know, in the next few weeks and months, if, you know, some of those guys who were there might wind up committing to the team. And you kind of mentioned the payoff, Jordan, how important is it, I guess, to have these types of events when you can't recruit, how big could that be for Auburn 
in the era of COVID moving forward when it could be um, Brian Harson's first recruiting class for a full year? How big is that for him to start doing this now? I think it's huge and sort of to the point I was just making that you're not really giving up a lot by doing it. And, you know, when you're a new head coach, you're kind of trying to, you know, catch up. I mean, you know, nobody, I'm sure that there's not very many people that Brian Harson and the staff are recruiting that really got to know him from Boise State. I would have to think the overlap as far as people they were targeting and recruiting is not very high. So by doing this, you know, they still can't have conversations with those coaches. It's not like, you know, by going to that practice, they could go, you know, walk down and talk to them. That's still off limits. But you got a good look at what they do during drills, you know, how practice is organized, how, you know, what kind of coaches they are. You know, I had a few people talk about how hands-on guys like Jeff Schmetting and some of those guys appeared to be. Um, so, you know, you're trying to gain any kind of ground you can, and you don't have the benefit of being able to talk to these guys face-to-face. So I think this is huge. I think, you know, it's important for any of these coaches to be able to have as much, whether it's contact, you know, text and, and email or, or mail, carrier pigeon, whatever they're using. <laughs> Uh, but also then just exposure, you know, Friday or, and I mean, Saturday's practice uh, was nothing more than exposure for Auburn football and this new staff. And, and, you know, that opportunity was a smart one. Whoever came up with that, it might've been uh, Brad LaRondo, who's the chief of staff. I know uh, coach Harson talked about that, you know, that Brad and some of those guys have had conversations. Um, I thought it was a great idea. And I think that they're going to see, um, there's going to be some real benefits from uh, from having done that uh, going down the line. Well, and again, all this spring practice is leading up to A-Day on April 17th. And Jordan and Justin, you guys both got to finally talk to Mike Bobo and Derek Mason and then got to talk to some players today. So what have you all kind of been taking away this week following that open practice? You know, I really enjoyed the chance to talk to Derek Mason. He's a guy that I've heard, you know, over the years when he was at Vanderbilt at things like SEC media days. And, you know, I think that he's got the right approach. You know, the the defense is going to look a little different than what we're used to with Kevin Steele. But basically he said on Monday, look, at the end of the day, it's my job to put people in position to win. You know, we want to get guys. We know there's talent here. We know that guys have different skill sets. We want to make a, you know, take advantage of those different skill sets and get these guys in one-on-one matchups, get them in position to win. And I'm serious. Every defensive guy we've talked to so far, Owen Papos, Kobe McLean, we talked to Derek Hall on Wednesday. I mean, they've been pretty high on what Derek Mason has been doing and, and the job he's done so far. I think they've done a really good job of selling to these guys that, yeah, you guys are going to have to do a little bit of work and learn the scheme and learn your assignments but that it can pay off in a big way. And, you know, you look at a guy like Derek Hall who's going to be playing edge. I mean, this guy put on like 13 pounds in the offseason. And I have to think that most of that's probably muscle. He wasn't, you know, doing like us adding weight during COVID. I mean, he was at a good weight. And uh, so I think that that's going to be huge. I mean, I think that the fact that they really and truly seem like they bought into what Derek Mason wants to do. And, you know, you can look at his record at Vanderbilt. Uh, and, you know, it, it was kind of rough there at the end, but everybody has always talked up Derek Mason as a defensive mind and the things he can do. So I think that's huge. And I think it's huge that he's coming in. He's got several guys that have proven themselves as starters. You know, last year's defense had its faults and it wasn't quite as good of a defense, but they were replacing a lot of production from the year before. Uh, so I think that, you know, everybody's singing uh, the right tune and, and saying the right things about the defense so far. And, 
And I think that uh, people should be excited about what the defense can do with Derek Mason. Jordan, let me ask you, was there anything talking with uh, Bobo that maybe surprised you or anything that, you know, because, I mean, he was at Georgia for a long time. He's been around the SEC for a long time. Is there anything that you learned about him or anything different that, that maybe that he, he might be doing differently here? Or, or I don't know, what, what do you kind of take away from being familiar with him for a very long time, but then, you know, how, where, he's, where he's at in a new seat? Yeah, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is I didn't realize that he, he really did have some ties to Auburn. He talked about that on Monday. Uh, he grew up in Thomasville, Georgia, for the most part, and, and that's South Georgia. And it's a lot closer uh, from Thomasville to Auburn than it is Thomasville to Athens. And he got coming to Pat Dye camps. And his dad, George Bobo, is a guy that coached high school football in Georgia for decades upon decades. And, you know, Pat Dye would take those coaches out and they go on bird hunts and stuff like that, you know, kind of build that community with the coaches. I mean, you know, Pat Dye was no dummy with that sort of thing. Um, but so, you know, uh, Mike had uh, some ties to Auburn. Obviously, he went on and played quarterback at Georgia and then coached at Georgia for almost 15 years. But then you have that, and then you have the relationship he built with Brian Harson. It was a situation where they kind of got to know each other when uh, Mike was the offensive coordinator at Georgia and uh, Harson was at Texas. And then they kind of got to know each other better when they were both head coaches in the Mountain West. And, you know, he talked about, I didn't expect a phone call, you know, this winter. And it seemed like he was going to be staying at South Carolina. And then lo and behold, Harson calls and offers him the job and he takes it. And I think it was a smart move as far as Bobo is concerned. I think there's a lot of potential. And, you know, there's going to be probably some growing pains, hopefully felt more this spring as far as offense goes, because, um, you know, it's going to be a different look. But, uh, you know, he had a lot of positives to say. I thought he had, you know, said the right things about Bo Nix and, and talked about, you know, that his athleticism can be a real benefit. And and he, I, what I was really interested to hear was he said that felt like Bo had handled the under center snaps probably better than any of the other Auburn quarterbacks. And it's pretty significant because I'd say 99% of Bo's snaps, even going back to high school, they were in shotgun. Um, so that's a considerable uh, adjustment he's had to make. But yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what this offense looks like. I'll be really interested to see what they do at A-Day and, and what we kind of get to see out of that. It'll definitely be interesting to see how this Auburn team, both offensively and defensively, progresses as we head into the fall season. But um, to kind of wrap up football, I want to bring you all back to our favorite winter sport, Auburn basketball. Uh, right after we finished recording last week, Jamal Johnson announced he was entering his name into the transfer portal. And within the last like day or so today, I think I saw he announced he's going to UAB. But the bigger point is, did y'all think that Jamal Johnson was going to be one of the players leading Auburn this offseason? Justin, you want to go first or me? Sure. I, well, it's just tricky because I, I think when you do look over, um, I mean, it depends on what you what you you know, what you want to do. But if you do look over, like, he wasn't going to start next year, probably not. And depending on the turnover, who they bring in, I mean, even if, you know, we're still thinking in the future, but even if Sharif leaves, they're going to bring in a replacement for him. Um, so, and it, 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 Jamal, we were surprised because obviously he had talked about the future. Like, I, I don't think Jamal was in a lose situation. Like, I think Jamal could have stayed at Auburn and been happy. I think he could leave and be happy. I don't think he was miserable at Auburn. I don't think he's left angry at all. Um, you know, I mean, it could be, I mean, obviously we don't know, we don't know anything, but it could just be, you know, that, Hey, Andy Kennedy's got a spot up there. You know, that might be pretty fun. Go do that. You know, if, if, if Bruce is telling him, Hey, you're probably only going to play 
five or six minutes, you know, a game next year, uh, you know, go play for Andy, man. That'd be fun. So, you know, it, it, we don't know what goes on in these conversations. Uh, all we know is that at the last game, Jamal was pretty happy with being at Auburn and happy and seemed, seemed to look forward to the future. Um, and, and we know that he has put out a statement since uh, just thanking Auburn and, and being very amicable. So, um, so yeah, I mean, in, in that way, it could be a surprise because obviously he was happy, but it's not a surprise now that we know he's going to UAB, you know, that's a pretty sweet spot. He's going home and uh, he can probably get a lot more playing time there. So, so for that, no, I mean, it, it, it makes a lot more sense now, honestly, when you think about it, wouldn't you say? I agree. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, when you look at what Auburn basketball is going to want to do this offseason, and we've already seen, and we'll probably talk about this as well, some of the transfers that they've sort of targeted and guys they might be bringing in. Um, but, you know, the role, I think it's, you can't argue that the role he's going to play at UAB is going to be a bigger one than he was going to play at Auburn. He's probably going to be coming off the bench at Auburn. And, and you know, I think it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's also kind of a chance for him to go home. I mean, he's from Birmingham. Uh, I think that UAB team is going to be really fun because you got him and KJ Buffin, who was at Ole Miss, and you got Andy Kennedy. I think it's a setup that makes a whole lot of sense. So I think you can't really blame Jamal for for making this move. I think it was probably the better one as far as you know his long term future. He's going to be playing a bigger role at UAB, and you know it's a considerable loss given the fact that you know that's that's again more depth that Auburn's going to have to find a way to to fill, but. Um, that's that's the beauty of the transfer portal. That's what's going to be happening over the next few weeks and, and probably months. And, uh, you know, it might be just sort of the first of the change that we see coming. I mean, we already know Justin Powell's in the portal. We, we still don't know where he's going yet. Um, you know, that could be something we find out this week. It could be something that gets kind of extended on out. But, uh, um, yeah, I think it made a lot of sense for Jamal. I, I don't think it would have been a mistake to come back to Auburn, but by going to UAB, playing for a proven guy like, you know, Andy Kennedy, I think that's huge. And uh, I think that uh, he'll find that that was probably a good decision when it's all said and done. So in the backcourt, you've got Powell and Jamal out, up Jasper, the guy from uh, College of Charleston committed. And then you've, now you've got an offer uh, to, to this guy from Missouri, uh, Xavier Pinson, who Bruce, I, I just remember Bruce speaking really glowingly of him when they played. Uh, so, yeah, Bruce thinks highly of him. So that's kind of the situation right now. You got two out and you've got one committed now. And uh, we'll see if they get a commit out of uh, Xavier who could, who could fill, fill the shoes, who's, who's proven it at, you know, at the, at, at, at the SEC level. Um, and would bring veteran college basketball experience. And that's something that this team does not have. This past year, we talked about how young they were. Um, and, you know, some, you know, you can be a great young player and, and not succeed in college basketball because, you know, even if you're, if you're bound, if you're just, you know, if you're bound, even if you're bound for the NBA, uh, you know, sometimes college basketball experience counts. I mean, we saw it with Ole Miss when Ole Miss beat them. With those dudes, well, I can't remember their names, but they got that guard who's been there for five years, and then they had that, that transfer from Arizona. Um, sometimes you need people with college basketball experience, and they would have that uh, in these two guys, in Xavier Pinson, and they will have it with, uh, with Zeb Jasper. So um, those, those moves make, make a lot of sense for me. Um, and, and then obviously, so that's two out, two in. And then obviously, I think I, I personally, if I'm Bruce Pearl, I'm waiting until the very very end of see if Shriek or not. I'm not finding his replacement until I know he's gone. Uh, so we'll see, though. We'll see. But that that it feels like that's kind of where the roster is right now. 
And, and, you know, it's important to keep in mind that we know JT Thor is going to test the NBA waters. Obviously, he's still got a chance to, to come back. Nothing set in stone, but that's sort of the first domino to fall. And, I'm, you know, I would expect, obviously, Sharif's going to test his NBA stock and probably Alan Flanagan as well. So, you know, it's not a definite with any of those guys that they're for sure gone, you know, market, you know, he, he's gone, signed, signed, sealed, and delivered but they're going to test it and that opens up the opportunity um you know the situation where there's more movement and there's more um, spots to fill and and maybe an even different looking roster than we are currently anticipating with the basketball team i'll say i don't think either of these guys are sharif replacements you know what i mean i think they are powell and jamal replacements i don't think he's gone down that as anything as far as that goes it's definitely fun to kind of watch Bruce Pearl build his team from the transfer portal. And it'll be interesting also to see where Walker Kessler goes from UNC since he was a former Auburn target. It'll be interesting to see if Bruce tries to target him as well. And you never know who else might be from Auburn that we don't know. It might be leaving for the NBA for sure, or they might end up also entering in the transfer portal. So it'll be interesting to see what other moves Bruce Pearl makes during the off season especially with not knowing what Sharif Cooper is going to do as well. So I want to bring y'all back to spring sports. It is SEC season for both softball and baseball, and softball is resuming their SEC play after taking a kind of a break weekend. They did play top 15 team in Florida State and split the series with them, but this weekend they have, let me see, they got, they're going on the road to Missouri so what do you guys kind of have taken away? They got swept by Alabama to start the season, kind of split the games this past weekend, and now have to start SEC play again. Right. We talked to Mickey Dean this week, and uh, it's kind of, um, I don't know, you, you, you say they split last week, but at, at one point in time, it didn't look good because they had lost three straight to Alabama last weekend, swept, and then they lost both their games on Saturday. So they were on a five-game losing streak going into Sunday. Um, so I just kind of asked him, you know, maybe what do you learn about your team there? Um, and then uh, we, we talked to Mickey and then KK Dismukes, a pitcher. Um, and she said that, you know, before those Sunday games, about 20 minutes before the first game, they had a, had a conversation. And a lot of it was just um, being together for each other, keeping your head up, even though you strike out, because there's a bigger picture in mind. There's a bigger game in mind. Um, so maybe that's a, a learning uh, experience that they that they could go through and, and bring into this next Missouri team because that Sunday so then you you're, you enter on a five game losing streak and they won two one run games and one of them of course was to a top twenty five team in Florida State so kind of gutted out two two wins um, you never want to lose to Kennesaw State but uh, it, the the positive is that they came back and and gutted out those wins. Um, and now it's it's SEC schedule uh, is the meat of it now. I think they could still add some non-con, but we'll see. Uh, but that's 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 where you are, and they're going to go to Missouri, and obviously that's going to be a big challenge. So, um, you know, you you look at you know when you get swept by Alabama, that you never want to get swept by your rival, but they're the class of the SEC right now, and and so when you play someone else, uh, maybe you can get a little bit better understanding of where you stand in the conference. That's kind of the hard part about opening with the very best. Um, that, that's obviously always a challenge. So now they can maybe get some confidence going. We'll see how they compete against Missouri and maybe just let themselves get a better understanding of where they stand against, you know, 
more middle of the road team and not just the best at the very best. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Justin. I mean, I think all three of us kind of understood going into that Alabama series, even taking one game was going to be a tall task. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that Missouri series goes. Is that, you know, a situation where they have been able to, to kind of shake off uh, what could have been a tough start to conference play and uh, should be interesting and, and should tell us a lot about what this team's able to do. You mentioned a tough start to conference play. Auburn baseball definitely had a tough start to conference play at uh, number four. I think they were ranked number four Ole Miss this past weekend, getting same, swept same out as, there. Same thing as softball, opening with the best team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely was not the weekend I'm sure Auburn baseball was hoping for. So what did y'all kind of take away from that series, especially just because they lost – they definitely lost one game in a really weird fashion that was super high scoring in the end. Yeah, we knew kind of like Alabama and Auburn softball that Auburn and Ole Miss baseball, that that was going to be a tall task for Auburn baseball. And, you know, I, I know that they lost the series, but two of the games they lose by one run. And then that last game was just, you know, nothing short of bonkers. They got down something like, I think they were down 14-0 because I think I uh, made a joke about them that being down two touchdowns because of John Rise Plumley, uh, the quarterback for Ole Miss, he's playing baseball. Uh, but then they fought back and at least made it kind of interesting in the end. So we knew that was going to be a tough test. Uh, you know, I think the fact that you get you got Jack Owen out there finally pitching again, that was a, a huge positive. I think that, you know, even if you can't win those games, the fact that you kept it close is at least a, a positive sign, but you got to see some improvement going forward and, and that kind of leads to this week you know, they were supposed to play South Alabama this week game was canceled because of the weather now you turn your attention to Kentucky your first home SEC series of the year so uh, that's going to be huge I think we should be able to to look at this Kentucky series and see what Auburn's you know how, how they're set up what they're able to do and you know that's a series they should be able to come out with so uh, I think it'll be a, a, a very telling series and It'll be interesting to see what the pitching staff's able to do and, and if they're able to get a few wins against the Wildcats. I don't know anything about Kentucky. Uh, last night they played Butler, and uh, it was a long game, and they came back in the bottom of the ninth, and I was waiting to update the standings for the paper, and I was waiting on this stupid Kentucky game, and it just chapped my hide. So that's all I know about Kentucky baseball. But, uh, yeah, but we'll see how they do. Uh, the one positive from last week is uh, – well, one of the positives from last week is Cody Greenhill. Um, in that first game as a day one, he, he threw with Ole Miss's ace. And I think he threw eight innings, at least seven, seven or eight innings. And he pitched a beauty. And that was a 1-0 game. Uh, he, he, it was scoreless. Uh, and then they, Ole Miss got its, its run off of the reliever that came in after Cody. Cody's uh, the converted uh, closer. You know, this is all new for him this year being a starter. And he had a gutsy, great effort on that, that, that first game. So that was a huge positive to take away. Um, you know, he's not just a one-trick pony. That he's got more in, the, in his bags than, you know, than, than just being a closer, fastball closer. So uh, that was a big positive. You know, the ace, you know, the, the, they, they're going to be confident handing the ball to him, and he's going to be confident throwing. So we'll see if they can. Uh, but, you know, we, they were still upset about it. But what you got to do is, is win, and that's what they're going to try to do against Kentucky. And this will definitely be a place you want to be playing. Swim Park will be a fun place to be this weekend, especially if the weather's nice to watch Auburn baseball welcome their or start their SEC season at home, their first home season, uh, SEC series of the season. 
Now, since the last time we talked, March Madness has gotten underway. Obviously, no Auburn basketball this year, but that first weekend was just full of madness. And how are y'all's brackets doing? Because mine, I might as well just throw all three of mine in the garbage at this point. Mine doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. I, I have no words. I had, uh, I had Ohio State as the Final Four team. Um, who else did I have? I got Gonzaga winning it, so I could still have Gonzaga. But no, I had Texas. Texas is a Final Four team. They lost in the first round, and it is bad, brutal. It's a brutal year, but I mean, what you know? What can you expect on a, you know, a, a year like this? Uh, you know, nothing matters. Who cares? It's just chaos. <laughs> I just I had one word to describe my bracket, and it was Virginia. They just. <laughs> totally tanked me but I also want to give a shout out there was a newspaper that wrote about Illinois and Chicago Loyola and obviously they got Sister Jean and the headline they ran was none and done so you gotta you My gotta God. appreciate a good pun that that was that was uh, that was a nice little consolation for what was it? <laughs> that's on brand for Jordan totally ruined bracket <laughs> I do love me some Sister Jean. I mean, I Illinois, I had in my final in all of my brackets and did not like to see them get knocked out by Loyola Chicago. But the fact Sister Jean is so alive and is at the tournament games, I mean, she's awesome. I love her scouting report and her pregame prayer to, before the Illinois game to get uh, Loyola to the Sweet 16. But it's yeah, this year has been pretty crazy, and I will say I am going to be cheering for Earl Roberts in that top bracket, and maybe they can pull off an upset and meet Baylor before headed to the Final Four. We'll see, but them upsetting Ohio State was absolutely wild to me. Just totally ruined. That that was basically the, the domino that just started the, the downfall for me. As soon as that happened, it was all over but the crime. Shout out to Abilene Christian University with the win over Texas, baby. Let's go. I've, I've covered some stuff at ACU. That's a, that's, a, that's a place. I don't know how you recruit to Abilene, but they did. <laughs> and shout out to the Abilene player who immediately gave the horns down. Just yes. It was oh, final. Whole energy. But think about it, though. Like, everyone's making jokes, but think about, like, all those kids are probably from Texas, and none of them got a Texas offer. So, you know what? Do it, dude. It's you, you earned it. And since you're talking about that bracket, I just want to bring up a little bit. Auburn fans are already on Twitter, per usual, pretty mad that uh, Alabama's in that bracket and now won't have to face Texas. Had right. to play a number 10 seed, started off, uh, of course, playing the 15 seed, then a 10 seed. And I forget who they play coming up, but it's not a high seed either to ever beat Abilene Christian to head to the Sweet 16. So it's not like Alabama is playing this roadmap to the final four like Auburn did where they had to play Kansas and then you or yes, Kansas, UNC, and then Kentucky to get to the final four. It seems like their bracket is shaping up to be just a little bit easier than Auburn having to go through all the blue bloods. And naturally you got Auburn fans all over social media. One calls my boyfriend every day to complain about how easy that track is and how much how awful it'll be when Alabama goes to the final four. And it's like, okay, well, you, they might have to still beat Michigan, but they almost, Michigan almost lost LSU. So definitely that with Auburn fans. And that was a good point. I I forgot about there was, I think Auburn fans were very happy by that Virginia loss that tanked my, 
my bracket. So I guess I'll take solace in that. They're, yeah, they're fine with that. I think it's a, an annual reminder that this is a terrible way to find the best team in the country, but it's a lot of fun, so we just do it. <laughs> absolutely. Whoever wins the tournament, it's absolute crapshoot, but we all like it, so we just do it anyway. March Madness, is, March Madness for sure is the best part, but I know Jordan has something else to add, so I'll have him chime in before I ask the favorite weekly end of podcast questions. Yeah, I was just going to add a shout out to Nell Fortner over there on the women's side at Georgia Tech, former Auburn coach. I think they're headed to the Sweet 16, so so pretty successful. And she's got a former player on the bench there with her as an assistant, so so shout out to them. Shout out to Blanche Alverson, uh, the Ava Blanche. That's what we called her back in the day. No, we ran a headline like that one time. Did you guys see Troy? Man, Troy got screwed. Was yeah, that? That, was, that was just – They were seated. They were seated, they were seated way too low because – but. Uh, Justin kind of explained it to me this way. It made a lot of sense just because uh, women's college basketball is so top heavy. I can understand why they see, you know, a Sunbelt team low like that. Because, I mean, you look at that tournament and you know, it's the same way as UConn and Baylor just torching people. But, yeah, man, that's tough. Tough for Troy. Tough scenes. Well, guys, as March Madness continues for both the men's and women's basketball programs in the country, what do you guys have coming this week in, in the paper and online? For Auburn football, uh, we had a chance to talk to some of the guys today. So I'll have a story in Thursday's paper about Derek Mason and kind of highlighting all the defensive players who have been singing his praises and sort of what he's bringing to the table. And besides that, I'm sure we're going to talk to a few more guys later on in the week and and have more stories as we build up. We're going to have another practice viewing on Thursday, so we'll get another kind of glimpse behind the curtain and uh, probably learn a lot from it and uh, give us a, a, a more of a sense of um, what we can expect once we get to A-Day on April 17th. Football, 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 and, uh, yeah, and SEC baseball and softball this weekend. And then one more week, uh, April 2nd, gymnastics will be in the, uh, the, the NCAA regional, so – a busy time, as, as, as expected. Well, as always, everybody can find both Jordan and Justin's work online at oinow.com. And following them on Twitter is always a great, probably one of your best ideas. We all banter back and forth, but they also put out some pretty good content that's worth the follow for them. The banter's good content, too. We're, you're, we're here for all of it. Come on, don't sell us short. And there's, and there's puppy content too. I won't sell, that's the home point. There are dogs on their Twitter accounts and Justin will post his cat, but it is a, like we said last week, it is a puppy friendly podcast. But again, everyone, thank you so much for the support as we continue to roll on in this new venture of ours. And we look forward to speaking with you guys again this time next week.